focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters, Yoon Se-young and Lee Ji-young. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening. All right, uh, we are going to uh, continue on and talk about uh, South Korea's uh, military. As you know, the big news of the week was the five North Korean drones that entered uh, the South Korean territory, of course, uh, in response to this on Thursday, uh, South Korean forces conducting a joint air defense drill. Uh, and uh, not to mention, I mean, we talked about, you know, don't want to use the word embarrassment, uh, but the failure to shoot down uh, the North Korean drones that crossed into the border earlier this week. We had apologies from the JCS. We had apologies from the South Korean military as well. Well, Jill, let's get the details of the uh, latest uh, air, uh, joint air defense drill. Sure. Now, the South Korean military is set to hold drills uh, held drills today to strengthen defense against potential drone-based provocations by North Korea, as South Korean authorities have vowed to adopt an aggressive approach to counter the security challenge. And as you mentioned, the drills were arranged after the military failed to shoot down five North Korean drones that violated the South's airspace on Monday, which was in an infiltration that raised questions over South Korea readiness posture. Uh, ground deployed anti-aircraft ref- uh, weapons such as the Vulcan cannon and the Biho complex uh, failed to fire a single shot because they could not detect the target with their own detection equipment. And now, in response, the military is expected to devise a plan to establish a system that can share target information captured by detection assets with ground strike assets in a timely manner. So today, the South Korean military focused on mobilizing army choppers, air-forced aircraft, and detect, uh, detection devices for an integrated operation based on scenarios of border infiltration by the North's unmanned aerial vehicles. Now, in a midterm defense blueprint released this Wednesday, uh, the defense ministry said it plans to spend a total of 600, uh, 560 billion won over the next five years for a set of anti-drone projects, including the deployment of a laser weapons system. Now, the Joint Chiefs of Staff has also laid out plans to aggressively utilize strike assets, stage regular drills, and incorporate platforms capable of shooting down drones without causing damages to civilians. Now, in the meantime, the UN has also created a special team to investigate uh, North Korea's drone infiltration uh, earlier this week. Jiang, also tell us more about this. Sure. Now, the UN Command, also known as UNC, has convened a special team to look into the recent North Korean drone infiltration and their public affairs department said that they are aware of the incident. Now, the UNC headquarters is in Pyeongtaek and is in charge of observing the armistice agreement, which was signed after the Korean War. Now, the North's drone infiltrations across the inter-Korean border on Monday raised the possibility of an armistice breach. Now, UNC's Jacqueline N. Leaker told Yonhap News that they are aware of uh, the reported North Korean drone flights across the military uh, de- 
demarcation line and that the U. United Nations Command uh, convened a uh, special investigation team, but she said that they will not provide any further comments or statements until the investigation is complete. Yeah, so if the North Korean drones were not, because it was a spy drone, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Uh, It it was, according to the JCS, uh, it wasn't big enough to be uh, a drone that would have weapons uh, because they said it was uh, the spy drones are about two meters long and this is what it was a uh, wingspan uh, and uh, if it was an attack drone it would be something like six meters wide uh, not the case and obviously if they did even if they didn't uh, fire any shots but sent over mm-hmm. an offensive drone into South Korea that would definitely be a breach of the armistice uh, agreement between the two sides here so uh, being that it was a spy drone it is kind of iffy here but nevertheless it is uh, very concerning uh, with this news here in the meantime President Yoon suk uh visiting the Agency for Defense and Development or ADD over in Daejeon on Thursday and uh, there he called the uh, Uh, The invasion of airspace by North Korean drones, quote, totally unacceptable. Seung, tell us about his remarks. Yes, amid heightened tensions on the Korean Peninsula, President Yoon on Thursday visited the Agency for Defense Development, or ADD in short, located in Daejeon, to check the progress of South Korean weapons system development, which of course include the ability to monitor and respond to drone threats from North Korea. Yoon once again confirmed his tough stance on Pyongyang's recent provocations, saying that Seoul needs to make Pyongyang realize that they will have to pay a harsh price. In a message delivered by Deputy Presidential Spokesperson Lee Jae-myung, Yoon made it clear that only firm punishment and retaliation can curb provocations for acts that violate our freedom. He also said, we, South Korea, must give a clear message to those who provoke the nation, whether they have nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destructions, and we should never be afraid or hesitant. He made the same remarks during a meeting with the presidential staff on the previous day. And as a President, as a commander-in-chief, it is necessary to respond with such tough attitude when threatened by military forces. But on the other hand, since he is a commander-in-chief, his word choices can give great significance to the nation's entire message towards the opponent or the international community. So those concerned about the heightened tensions on the Korean Peninsula argue that words or expressions such as uh, don't hesitate, punishment, and revenge could make the situation even worse. That is true. Uh, Again, uh, we forget that as a president, you are the commander-in-chief and you are in charge of uh, technically uh, the military and you make all the calls here. And uh, I think those who are hawkish against Mm. uh, North Korea, they would agree that uh, enough is enough. Uh, North Korea has now pushed it enough. Uh, We could kind of uh, handle all these uh, missile problems vacations as none of them really fall into the Korean territory but sending over five uh, North Korean drones that's that's cutting it right now and we need to respond uh, and uh, retaliation is a very strong word by the way and mm-hmm. there's many different ways to retaliate uh, but the, cho- the, the the choice of words that we're looking at from President Yoon Chagar uh, doesn't very seem strong. yeah it is very strong and again mm-hmm. as we've seen with North Korea um, I, I keep mentioning this and I'm sorry North Korea if you're hearing this but it's kind of like uh, treating uh, treating a a crying baby right Mm. and uh, I'm not sure honestly if uh, put yelling at a crying baby is going to uh, ease the crying baby from uh, mm-hmm. stopping there. But uh, nevertheless, we've tried uh, everything else. Uh, maybe this is the only option at 
hand. Uh, and of course, President Yoon Suk-yeol, going back to some of his remarks, uh, he also stressed that South Korea must make overwhelmingly superior war uh, preparations to gain peace, which, by the way, seems like very contradictory words here. Uh, if you look at some of the words, uh, peace and superior war preparations. But nevertheless, uh, tell us more about his remarks. Right. Overwhelmingly superior war preparations. The phrase he used, I believe it was the strongest statement made by South Korean president about the tensions between the South and North in recent years. Yoon stressed that Seoul needs to realize that a disguised peace can never assure security and it also can collapse the nation's foundation. President Yoon also encouraged and ordered the military to become powerful enough to instill unapproachable fear in the nation's enemy and firm confidence in South Korean people. Defense Minister Lee Jong-sub, Army, Navy, Air Force Presidents, and Marine Corps Commander, Defense Acquisition Program Administration Director, National Security Chief Kim Sung-an, and Second Deputy Chief of Security Im Jong-duk all attended the meeting to stress the seriousness of the situation. And as you can see from Thursday's remarks, President Yoon has continued to order strong responses and send high-intensity warning messages to North Korea every day since five North Korean drones invaded South Korea's airspace and some penetrated over Seoul on Monday. And it is, of course, necessary to take a strong posture and prepare for any further provocations. But uh, as we can see from many examples, you know, extreme tensions and war demand too much sacrifice. So it remains to be seen how the government will try to ease tensions and establish peace on the Korean Peninsula again. Again, um, war is the last thing that uh, should happen here. That definitely here. is it, not uh, what we want. No, it's it's. Uh, it would be devastating, to be mm. honest, to uh, for many different reasons here. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk more about North Korea. This time, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un are presenting new plans to further uh, bolster his military power next year at a meeting of top political officials. Now, this can be interpreted that he's going to be continuing his provocative run of weapons. Uh, Ji-young, tell us more about his remarks. Sure. Now, during Tuesday, uh, the Tuesday session at the ongoing plenary meeting of the ruling Workers' Party, uh, Kim Jong-un analyzed new security challenges in international politics and on the Korean Peninsula uh, and clarified pr principles and directions to take in external in relations and fight against enemies to protect national interests and their sovereignty. Now, according to the official Korean Central News Agency, uh, Kim set forth new key goals for bolstering the self-reliant defense capability to be pushed ahead in 2023 under the multilaterally changing situation. Now, uh, the North Korean news agency also reported that Kim Jong-un stressed his party members, leaders, and political authorities uh, in local regions as well to improve the effectiveness and efficiency of the party's goal and to innovate projects as well as set specific plans to achieve them. Now, Kim also said that departments and officials of the party central committee, including the organization guidance department and the propaganda department, should exercise greater responsibility and initiative. Now, in the past, major party meetings were held in the form of the North Korean leader reporting to the members, but from the eighth session, which was held this year in January, he broke down the members into groups and then hear their say 
say. And then on the last day of the meeting, he would make adjustments and suggestions and then finalize the plan. So that has been uh, quite a significant difference than what we saw before. Mm. Now, some observers say that the new goals could be related to Kim's drive to expand his nuclear arsenal and acquire high-tech weapon systems such as multi-warhead missiles and more agile long-range weapon, uh, a spy satellite, and advanced drones. Now, they say Kim would eventually aim to use his boosted nuclear power to force his rivals to accept the North as a legitimate nuclear state, uh, which is a status he thinks is essential in getting international sanctions lifted. Yeah, um, that's the thing, right? I I Mm -hmm. think uh, it's clear cut that they do have nuclear technology. Uh, They do have the technology to produce uh, nuclear weapons, but uh, countries like the United States uh, have not officially uh, declare them as a nuclear state. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, North Korea, this is what they're looking for. They really want to be acknowledged by the international community as mm-hmm. a nuclear state. Now, the thing is, I think the consensus is definitely moving into 2023 that North Korea is going to continue to uh, advance their missile uh, missile technology, their nuclear technology, because they're thinking, well, all throughout this time, uh, mm-hmm. U.S. has not refused. Uh, U.S. has done little to nothing mm-hmm. to bring them to the negotiating table. Now, some people might be arguing, well, I mean, the U.S. came out and said, listen, we're willing to talk to North Korea without any preconditions, right? That's like the, the terminology we mm-hmm. heard like mm-hmm. a billion times uh, this year. Uh, but what North Korea really wants right now is for the U.S. to come out and say, all right, you know what? Come back to the negotiating table because we are willing to lift some of the sanctions as long as you start, you know, stop your nuclear uh, weapons development and things like that. And because the U.S. is just going to refuse to lift any sanctions, uh, they're just going to go, well, you know what, we'll just keep producing them. We'll keep, keep, uh, you know, advancing our technology. We're going to start shooting away our missiles. So we don't know what the end game is right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to take one side to basically go, you know what, we we can't take this anymore. Uh, Let's do something. Let's do some talk. And there's little that South Korea can do right now because it's always going to involve the United States. And I think right now the United States, as much as they say they want to talk to North Korea, their priority is not North Korea mm-hmm. right now. It is, it's 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 Ukraine. And then even after Ukraine, it's probably China. Whenever uh, like Washington or Seoul announces any remarks or announcements on North Korea, they also... They always ends with we are still open to dialogue, but when it's some like further action to actually bring North Korea to the negotiating table, because the words is just word. Right? Well, no, I, I'm I'm sure they want to bring mm-hmm. them to the negotiating table. I'm sure they want to talk. Uh, mm-hmm. South yeah, Korea, but, it, but it, no actions followed. But by. there's all, it, the all or nothing's approach. It's it seems as though it's not working. Mm-hmm. So we have to see something else, and and it is just it's it's making the Korean Peninsula even having more tensions. So yeah. that's right. something that we just don't want. And that's the thing, right? Then Chiang makes a very good point. And we have we got to try something that we've never done before. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we've never done before is maybe listen, United states uh let's start lifting some of these sanctions because mm-hmm. there's always a snapback right if they if we lift some of these sanctions and it the, appeases the north korea and they still go on uh you know developing their uh missiles or you know testing their nuclear weapons and things snapback just put that the, the, put the sanctions back in place mm-hmm. uh but uh you're not going to see washington do this and uh, that's the thing we need 
a, a different approach right now. And I think constantly going, you know, if they give sanctions and sanctions and sanctions and, uh, you know, retaliation, and we're going to retaliate, it's, it's going to upset North Korea even more. And I know a lot of uh, people are going to be upset with what I say and say, you know, why do you cater to North Korea? But uh it's better it's than for war. Our own sake. Yeah, it's right. better than war is mm-hmm. what I want to say. Uh, let's turn our focus to economy this time. The South Korean government announcing its plans to uh, respond to the economic slowdown by releasing next year's budget as quickly as possible. Sam, tell us more about this. Yes, Finance Minister Chu Kyung Ho held an emergency economic minister's meeting at the Seoul government complex on Thursday and said South Korea will immediately execute the 2023 budget from January 2nd next year when the fiscal year begins to make every effort to bring about policy facts as soon as possible. To explain the situation of the nation's economy, he went on to say that in 2023, South Korea is expecting low in the first half, high in the second half, or 상저하고 in Korean, which refers to economy slowing down in Q1 and Q2 and starting to grow in Q3 and Q4. And given that situation, South Korea plans to push for a rapid execution of more than 65% of next year's budget in the first half, the highest effort to actively respond to the sluggish economy. And further explaining the details of the government's plan, Chu said the government will designate job markets, welfare, and price stabilization projects that are directly related to people's livelihood as a top priority and closely monitor the situation. According to Chu, the details of the spending plans will be announced next week week. And well, there must be a lot of people who are worried about the economy and even anxious about possible recession. But Deputy Prime Minister Chu today made a pretty hopeful analysis of the nation's economy. He said the financial market, which had previously shown great volatility, is regaining stability thanks to hopes for a slowing pace of tightening and the government's market stabilization measures. He, however, at the same time added that we still need to consider both internal and external economic situations that remain difficult and uncertainties in terms of prices, monetary tightening policies of other major countries and global economic slowdown. Now, of course, uh, throughout this past year, we've been increasing in a significant increase in consumer good uh, prices. And with the, the ongoing inflation, electricity prices uh, will also significantly increase next year for uh, both uh, households and uh, businesses as well. Chiang, can you tell us how and when, uh, how much uh, we should uh, we would have to pay in when it comes to the electricity bill hike? Yes. Now, according to the Ministry Minister of Trade, Industry and Energy, Yi Changyang, uh, in the first quarter of next year, uh, electricity rates would significantly rise, but within reason not to have a major impact on households and businesses. Now, Mr. Lee, Minister Lee held a press conference on Wednesday and said that they are still tweaking the prices, but will finalize the specific cost and starting date by the end of this year. But to give you kind of a ballpark figure, um, according 
According to Kep, uh, the KEPCO's plan that was recently submitted by the ministry to the National Assembly earlier this year, the appropriate amount of electricity rate hike for next year was calculated at 51.61 per kilowatt hour. Now, considering the electricity rate increase this year, which was 19.31 per kilowatt hour, this is 2.7 times higher. So we're ex- expecting to see at least the rate height to be double compared to this year. Now, we already know that KEPCO has been in a deficit, but even with the rate hikes, it is estimated that uh, the operating loss for next year will be around for 14.3 trillion won. Now, the minister also said that we're in the winter season and that the electricity hike would not hit so hard, especially for the underprivileged. So we're expecting to see more rate hikes in the uh, the coming future. Now, that's why the minister stressed the importance of renewable energy, especially after the Russia-Ukraine war. Now, currently, renewable energy consumption in Korea is less than 10%. So the government set a goal to increase that number to 21.6% uh, by the end of 2030. Now, we still have a long way to go, but I hope the energy crisis we're experiencing at the moment can become a wake-up call. That's right. Uh, speaking of prices going <clears throat> up, of course, uh, Seoul is Uh, famous for a number of things, but it's also very famous for its well-developed transportation system that uh, anyone can use at uh, very reasonable prices, may I add you. And uh, we did mention uh, not too long ago, I believe it was uh, just last week maybe, that uh, uh, Seoul Metro, which is facing a a significant deficit over the past many, many years, by the way, I think the two-line is the only line that isn't seeing a deficit on an annual basis. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, we knew that uh, both so uh, the subway system and the bus fares were going to increase and Seoul actually announced uh, a kind of a uh, not so bad increase actually they gave out a figure and they said they're going to raise it as early as maybe April next year so Seon let's get the details of this all right um do you guys use public transportation nope no uh, every now and then yes yes yeah Be, um I drive that but because that's because my work ends at 12 a.m but still I believe Seoul's the public transportation system is one of the best in the world. But unfortunately, uh, those who like to use and have to use subways and buses every day are about to experience fare hike. Both subway and bus fares in Seoul are likely to rise by about 301 from as early as April next year. The last increase in public transportation fares in Seoul was in June 2015, so it is going to be the first time in eight years uh, that the city government goes ahead with hikes in subway and bus fares. Currently, the general fare for public transportation in Seoul is only 1,251 less than a dollar at current rate for subways and 1,201 for city buses when using a transportation card or a credit card that also works as a transportation card. And the price hike will increase the subway and bus fares to 1,551 and 1,501 respectively. And those who pay in cash, they will have to pay more, uh, 1,651 for subway, uh, 1,601 for bus. 
the reason that Seoul Metropolitan Government decided on hikes in fares is, like SJ said, because of its growing deficit. According to the city, the subway has suffered an average annual deficit of about 920 billion won and 540 billion won for buses over the past five years from 2018 to 2022. And with prices and labor costs steadily rising, plus COVID pandemic, the size of the subway deficit sharply increased over the past few years. And currently, the subway and bus fares cover only 60% and 65% respectively of the costs that uh, are necessary to run the subway and buses in Seoul normally. Nevertheless, because of the cost of using public transport was reasonable, anyone could enjoy the freedom to move around without worrying too much about financial burden. But in addition to this snowballing cumulative deficit, the recent decision made by the central government left Seoul with no choice but increasing the fares. The National Assembly last week on the 24th finally passed next year's budget but did not allocate a budget for public service obligation, also called PSO, compensation to cover the losses caused by the free subway use policy for those aged 65, 65 and older, underprivileged, and people with disabilities. Uh, the government, um, however, has provided PSO only uh, to the Corail Korea Railroad Corporation. And the city also explained that fare hike is also necessary to replace aging facilities. Currently, 66.2% of Seoul subway facilities require repair work. And the problem is more serious for line 1 to 4. And the final decision, though, will be made through public hearings, hearing opinions from the city council and deliberation by the Price Countermeasures Committee. And so also pledged that although it's inevitable, um, inevitably pushing for a fair increase, but it will continue to make efforts to improve safe environments and better services. Um, Jiang, you said you use mm. the uh, the public transportation mm -hmm. uh, time to time. Do you have any problems with the increase in prices for the uh, the subways and buses? Yeah, I take the the bus and subway um, twice or three times a week. So mm -hmm. my uh, uh, monthly fee would be about fifty to sixty dollars, okay. uh, something like that. So if that increased for me, no, not really. So I would be I would be more than happy to pay uh, a little bit more. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I, I know we have some of our listeners who are tuning in from uh, Korea, and uh, I want to know if you have a problem with this because. I, until Seon gave me the, uh, the 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 exchange rate, uh, mm -hmm. what is it, a thousand two hundred fifty one? That's less than a dollar for subway, right? right? You know, when I first immigrated to the United States, it was nineteen ninety two, uh, and I rode the subway and I went under the turnstile because I was really young. But mm -hmm. my parents were paying a dollar twenty five wow. for the subway in nineteen ninety two. Uh, right now, the uh, the New York City subway, uh, mm -hmm. I, I think. Uh, it, it, it's something like about like three dollars and seventy five cents, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, it's, the prices are ridiculously low in my opinion, and mm -hmm. uh, the Seoul Metro provides much better service than New York City subways. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, it, there's little to no delays. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the New York City subways always face delays, and it also smells really bad on the New York City subways. I'm gonna say it again, and uh, I, I'm just gonna say it. I'm, this is one of those price hikes where I have absolutely no mm. problem because it is way too cheap uh, for the kind of services that right. uh, uh, the.
passengers get. Uh, in the meantime, production increased slightly in five months, but in November, semiconductor production has decreased by 10%, and overall consumption has decreased for three months in a row. Jiang, uh, can you tell us uh, the, the, the detailed numbers on last month's production? Yeah, now uh, exports have declined for two months in a row until last month, and domestic demand has also slowed down, uh, indicating that the Korean economy is going to experience a really, really cold winter this year. Now, according to the industrial activity trend announced by the National Statistical Office on Thursday, uh, the index of all industrial production in November was 115.3, which is a slight increase of 0.1% from the previous month. So that's pretty much the same uh, comparing to October. Now, production in the mining industry increased by 0.5%, uh, and manufacturing increased by 0.4%, which was led by automobiles, machinery equipment, and pharmaceuticals. Uh, however, as you mentioned, semiconductor production plunged a whopping 11%. Now, this is because the demand for IT products have decreased due to the recent global economic slump. Now, semiconductor exports also decreased by 17.4% in October and 29.8% in November, compared to the same time a year ago. Now, the National Statistical Office said that the increase in machinery equipment and pharmaceutical production was due to the high demand from our lifestyle that was hit by COVID-19. Now, at that time, many people had COVID, which led to a high consumption of medicine uh, and that consumption of automobiles, high consumption of automobiles also led to high production of machinery equipment. Now, semiconductors and IT products uh, slowed down in the aftermath also of China's blockade which was the result of its zero COVID policy. So we had to see semiconductor in, uh, inventories pile up as well. So this year we had many COVID restrictions relaxed, relaxed and we have been going back to our kind of sort of our pre-COVID lives. Mm. And so many of us assume that consumption in the accommodation and service industry would increase. But unfortunately, it's the opposite. Um, accommodation and restaurant production declined the most since December last year by 10.9%. Now, the National Statistical Office said that the Itaewon disaster at the end of October had a huge impact on this. And also, many people have been used to purchasing their goods online, so offline service consumption seemed to have uh, been partially hit. Yeah, I'm not surprised with the accommodation and restaurant production mm -hmm. being declined because, I mean, inflation, right? Everything is so much more expensive. Mm -hmm. The economy is... Uh, shaky to say the least. People just don't have the money uh, mm -hmm. to go out and splurge on uh, expensive food and expensive uh, hotels and things like that. Um, but let's move on to this next um, piece of story where Boy, it's something that uh, we said it might happen in a science fiction story, maybe, but now it's becoming more uh, a reality moving forward here. This is a very concerning news in regards to the environmental issues. Uh, some people are saying that if greenhouse gases are emitted uh, at the current pace right now, the winter season will disappear. There will be no winter 
at the end of this century in the southern regions of South Korea, and this, of course, uh, including Jeju-do Island. Uh, Seung, tell us about this report. Right. The Korean Meteorological Administration released climate change prospects by reason on Thursday based on greenhouse gas emissions scenarios and South Korea's high-resolution climate change scenarios calculated last year in the sixth evaluation report released by Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC. And the outlook was presented not only by 17 metropolitan metropolitan local governments and 220 lower-level local governments, but also by 3,500 towns and villages, uh, so-called up or myeon in uh, Korean. According to the outlook for climate change in metropolitan and provincial governments, eight regions, including Busan, Daegu, Gwangju, Ulsan, Jeollabuk, Jeollanam-do provinces, Gyeongsangnam-do province, and Jeju-do island will have zero day of winter in the second half of this century, uh, which refers to 2081 to 2100. Yeah, it's years that we're not wow. familiar with, so <laughs> it is difficult. Yes. Yeah, so meteorologically, we say certain area or city had the first day of winter when the daily average temperature falls below 5 degrees Celsius and does not rise again. In fact, winters are already getting shorter in these areas mentioned above, and the average days of winter from 1991 to 2020 is 87 days from December 4th to February 28th of the following year. And this is seven days shorter than the average calculated between 1981 and 2010, which um, stood at 94 days of winter. And as you can predict, uh, with this trend, the cold wave will also appear disappear. However, on the other hand, days of summer will increase. For example, days of summer in Jeju is expected to be about 60% or 211 days of the year at the end of the century. And along with this, heat waves and tropical nights will more frequently appear, which I hate. And according to the forecast, Daegu and Jeju will experience heat waves or tropical nights for one-third of the year at the end of the century. And for our listeners, heat wave days are um, when the daytime high reaches over 33 degrees Celsius, and tropical nights refers to days which a night temperature at minimum 25 degrees Celsius or higher. And winter in Seoul is also expected to be shorter as well, although not um, as much as in the southern parts of the country. Instead, total precipitation is expected to increase, which will also increase the risk of flood, soil erosion, death and injuries as we already experienced past summer. Let's move on here. The enactment of the Inflation Reduction Act had a huge hit on the Korean EV makers, but uh, even pundits in the U.S. are saying that it was a big mistake that as it was selected as the third worst achievement by U.S. President Joe Biden in 2022. Jim, can you tell us more about this? Yeah, now the Washington Post picked the 10 worst things Joe Biden did in 2022 through an editorial on the 28th local time. Now, including the U.S. immigration issue and the lack of countermeasures against the Kabul airport terrorism that killed 13 Americans, that was all cited in this um, editorial. But in particular, the IRA, which caused dissatisfaction, not only in Korea, but also in Europe, ranked the third. Uh, The IRA gives tax credits of up to $7,500 only to electric vehicles finally assembled in in North America. And because of this, there were concerns about damage to Korean companies' electrical 
vehicles assembled and exported in Korea. Now, recently, French President Emmanuel Macron expressed strong dissatisfaction with the IRA during a state visit to the U.S., and the U.S. President Joe Biden acknowledged that the law may be flawed for the first time, citing the IRA's vastness. Now the, now, the Washington Post evaluated the IRA as a law that will not reduce inflation or climate change, and that the inflationary impact of this massive climate spending bill would be statistically close to zero, adding that the effort of limiting gold, a global temperature rise would only be 0.0009 degrees Celsius. Now, now, uh, in addition, under Biden's rule this year, um, the country experienced the worst inflation in 40 years, the largest drop in real wages, the highest gasoline price in the U.S. history, and so on. And for the number one worst achievement, um, FYI, was the delay in the military aid to Ukraine, which was being invaded by Russia. By the way, if uh, some of our listeners might be going, is Washington Post a very uh, conservative uh, media? No, actually, they're one of the more liberal uh, media outlets mm-hmm. out there. In yes. fact, they endorsed mm-hmm. Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton in 2016. They also endorsed uh, Joe Biden in 2020. Uh, so uh, they're, they're not a conservative paper. Uh, moving on here, many countries around the world, including Japan and Italy, now requiring negative COVID-19 test results from people entering from China, Hong Kong, or Macau. U.S. also announcing this similar policy on Wednesday. Hey, let's get the details of this. All right. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced on Wednesday that now all passengers coming from countries like China, Hong Kong, and Macau will need to submit a negative COVID test taken not more than two days before their departure. The new measure will take effect from January 5th next year. To explain the reason of announcing the new measures, the CDC said it is to prevent the spread of virus in the U.S. at a time when the Chinese government does not provide appropriate and transparent epidemiological information despite the rapid spread of COVID-19 in China. And as you mentioned earlier, not only U.S., but also some other countries uh, like Japan, Italy, or India have already announced uh, quarantine measures for inbound travelers from China. And South Korea is going to announce its measures for travelers from China on Friday, which is tomorrow. All right, there you have it. And of course, this is because of the, again, the explosive number of COVID-19, uh, COVID-19 cases that are popping up in China. Seung, uh, we won't be seeing you tomorrow, right? No. So Happy New Year's to you. Oh, Happy New Year. Seung, we you. will be seeing you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I'll send my uh, Happy New Year's to you tomorrow. But in the meantime, guys, thank you very much for your report. Stay safe and we'll see you guys again. Stay thank safe, you. everyone. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.